I have just been, you know, uh, this week has been a kind of an interesting week for me. Um, with the Bible school going on, I was there almost every week or almost every day throughout the week, um, and just seeing seeing us as a family uh, do something in the community like this. I know a lot of our kids were there, but there were kids there that don't go to Mercy Hill, so it, it was it was very um, rewarding to see that. But, you know, um, also, I just, I just want to uh, just extend a, a personal thank you. Um, some of you know, if you're on the prayer chain, my dad's in the hospital right now. And um, the prayers and the, um, you know, the texts, the, the calls, I appreciate it. My family appreciates it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really just... Uh, very happy to be, not because I'm a leader at Mercy Hill, not because I'm an elder, not because I'm a pastor at Mercy Hill, but because I am part of Mercy Hill and I'm part of this family. And so I just want to thank you guys. Um, let me pray. Let me pray. And then we're going to get in the text. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up the Titus chapter two. Um, we're following along in the plan, uh, the, the reading plan that we have. And so if you want to open up to Titus chapter 2, but let me pray real quick here. Um, Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you love us and that you care about us, that um, you're always there. Your love is there even if we don't feel it in the moment, even if things are going sideways in life at times, we know that you are there and that you supernaturally do things in our lives. Um, this grace that you have given us, this mercy you have given us, I just want to thank you for it. And uh, I, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will be leading this conversation this, this, uh, as we look at the text. I pray that you will be opening our hearts, opening our minds to what you want us to hear and see. Once again, I just thank you so much for everything you've done in my life and those around me. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so let me... Uh, let me just open up by reading chapter, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. If you want to follow along, it says, For the grace of God that, appears, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And um, this text is so awesome. This, this text is uh, near and dear to my heart, um, probably um, from, uh, aside from maybe Ephesians chapter 2, this is probably one of my favorite, favorite texts and uh, hopefully I'll do it justice as I, uh, as I make some uh, observations. So there's, there's really three things that I, I, I kind of look at, and I, I, it really spoke to me, that, that grace is doing. Grace, first and foremost, it, it brings. It brings salvation. The second thing it does is it teaches us to say no to, to ungodliness, that no, no to our, our worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright life. And then 
the third thing it brings is to redeem and to purify uh, while we wait, while we wait. Um, and so those are some things I just want to kind of talk through. Um, and once again, I just, uh, grace is awesome. Grace is awesome, isn't it? I mean, if you, if you uh, remember, if you were here from Eric's sermon last week talking about legalism and trying to do it on our own, trying to maybe save ourselves, or maybe after we're saved, we realize we can't save ourselves, but trying to, to try to get rid of sin in our own lives by our own works and by our own merits and by our own sweat of our brow, it's just not going to happen, guys. It's just absolutely not going to happen. Um, and this is what this text is so great about it. It, it shows what grace does and what it brings. And uh, so the first, the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that grace brings salvation. And it's interesting, it says, it has appeared to all men. Now, how, how in the world has grace appeared? Well, if we, if we go into chapter 3, and I really, I really think that chapter 3 explains it very well. So chapter 3, verse 3 of Titus, just uh, the next chapter over, <clears throat> It goes on, it says, at one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice, envy, being hated, and hating one another. Now notice that's, that's past tense. Why? Because it goes on, it says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, and this is speaking to people that have put their trust in Jesus, Saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through, right there, Jesus Christ our Savior. So, guys, this is, this is so fundamentally important for us as a church to understand. And I think sometimes we, we, we hear this, we hear this, we hear this, and, 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 and we we kind of get it at times, and sometimes it's in head knowledge, but maybe not heart knowledge, but how are we saved? Is it, is it because all of a sudden I just realize that I'm, I'm a bad person, or I realize that um, I need to do something to try to get to God? Even in that self, in, in that in itself, we need the Holy Spirit to be revealing to us that we are even in that condition to begin with. Does that make sense? So, you know, like somebody that's raised in church all their lives, and they, maybe they, they've sat in the pew most of their lives, could not be saved. Because we need the work of the Holy Spirit to be coming into our lives doing something, making us realize even that we need a Savior. You know, part of my own testimony, part of when I came to, to know the Lord, and I was a very young age, but it's not because I just one day realized in my intellect and that I was smart enough to realize that I needed Jesus. There's something there, there's something there that the Holy Spirit is actually working in our lives before we even know Him. And so, 
Who gets the credit when I'm saved? It's not me. You know, and, and I know that uh, some of us, depending on the tradition and the church that we're raised in, you know, um, there's uh, maybe, you know, at the end of the service we have these, you know, come on down, say a prayer, or maybe, maybe uh, some of the traditions that we see in this area especially is where at a certain age you got to join church. So at a certain age you make a profession of faith publicly and you get baptized and you join the church. Let me ask you, does that save you? Is that salvation? And I will, I will tell you what, I, I don't believe that the Bible says that's salvation. What salvation is, is when we are made alive supernaturally. Supernaturally. This is not in the natural. This is not something that we can you manufacture? It's so interesting. Uh, this week, I was actually allowed back into Sycamore after like three months of not being there because of the COVID thing. And uh, so I was roaming the halls, and we have one gentleman, one gentleman who is a uh, kind of an old Baptist, <laughs> if you will. And I'm not trying to put him in a box, but that that's that's the background he has come from. And you know, we got to talk, and he's, and I know him from the community. I know, I've known this gentleman most of my life, and now he's at Sycamore because of health, and he asked me, he goes, you know, he starts talking about the church and asking me about the church, and you know, of course, how many people attend there on Sunday, and he goes, are you saving people? Are you saving people? And I looked at him, and I said, we have seen people being saved but I'm not saving anybody. What I'm called to do is preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to share the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for me and for you, but I'm not saving anybody. It's actually the Holy Spirit getting hold of people when we proclaim the gospel, when we proclaim the good news, when we proclaim what Jesus has done for us, the fact that he is God has always been there and always will be there. That he was, before the beginning of time, he created time. And in a moment of history, he literally, he really did come. If you notice, it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He has appeared. He has come in a physical human form to bring grace, to bring love, to bring salvation. And this is what Jesus has done for us, for me, that he has come. Think about this. I mean, God Almighty, who has created everything around us, decides to come in human flesh to save us, who, by the way, rebelled from him right if we go back to the beginning of time adam and eve rebelled from god which brought sin into the human race and and you know like well man matt is that fair is it fair that i have rebellion in my own heart every single one of us is born with a human human nature 
a broken nature, a sinful nature, and I have deliberately and chosen to sin in my life. I have no excuse. I have absolutely no excuse. I deserve complete separation from God. I deserve hell. That's really what hell is about, is, is complete separation from God. You know, once again, if you go into some traditional church settings, you're going to hear the hellfire and brimstones, the, the lake of fire, right? And those, I believe, is a true literal place. But what, what is the worst thing about hell? It is a complete separation from God that we have absolutely no relationship. Our relationship is completely severed, and that's why it's terrible. If we look at the world right now, just in the United States even, and what's been going on for the last how many weeks and months, the rioting in the streets and all this, all this other junk, right? We think that's bad. We think that's bad. The fact is that God's spirit is still alive and doing things in this world. Can you imagine an absence of his spirit completely, stripped away? And that's really, that's really what hell is about. That's really the, the, the consequence, if you will, of sin. And so when we look at the text... What does it say? It says that God comes and he saves us. Because of, wow, you got it going on because there's something special in you? <laughs> no. There's absolutely nothing in you that makes you righteous. There's absolutely nothing in you that says, man, I want, I want to be on, on, you know, make you on my team. I think so many times, I think in the Christian world, we think that it's almost like, how many of you guys ever played uh, dodgeball growing up? One observation I will say about this is VBS, they didn't play dodgeball. This generation's soft. <laughs> but no, I mean, when I, when, if you remember dodgeball growing up? <laughs> I do, because I was always picked last. Because I was not fast, and I couldn't catch, and I couldn't throw very well. Well, that kind of disqualifies me from being like the lead person in dodgeball, right? And what's so interesting is sometimes we think that God picks us, that God chooses to save us because, well, you're going to be great on my team. You're going you're gonna to bring something to the team that I need. Guess what? God doesn't need any of us, especially me. The fact is, the miracle of it is that he chooses to love me, he chooses to save me, and he chooses to use me. That's amazing. And if that doesn't amaze us, then we don't understand how awesome God is and how, how not awesome we are, how unrighteous we are, how much we, we just don't measure up. Does that make sense, guys? I, 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 sometimes I, I just think that we as a church don't get that. That don't get that the, how awesome and holy God is. How perfect he is. 
and how much we just don't measure up. And we need to understand that because that even more than anything shows how much God loves us. Because there's nothing in us that's lovable. And yet he chooses, he chooses to love us. That's amazing. And I still can't get over that. I still absolutely cannot get over that. Um, just a side note, I mean, um, once again, this has been a little bit emotional for me, but, you know, with my dad. My dad is failing physically in the hospital. Um, what they found out is he has some lesions in his bones. Um, he got up to go to the bathroom, and initially he was there for a blood, a, um, a blood infection, and he became septic. But he wanted to go to the, the nurse got him up to go to the, the bathroom and he got up on the, on the walker and his right arm cracked and broken and, it, and they could hear it down the hall. Now, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking the breath out of me when I talk about that, but, and once again, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying this because this is where my heart is today. I'm not sure where my dad is with the Lord. My dad's a good guy. My dad's gone to church all his life. My dad's taken me to church all my life. Sometimes I think out of responsibility and duty, but I honestly don't know where he's at with the Lord. He, he could be saved, I don't know. And so I'm just asking right now that you guys pray for my dad's salvation. And honestly, guys, I'd much rather see him completely fail physically and get saved to be regenerated, to be renewed, to be made from dead to alive spiritually, because I know that he'll be with Jesus forever. And so I would just, I would just ask and covet your guys' prayers on that, that all this stuff that we're going through, that I know it's for a reason. And so I, just, I would just appreciate that, guys. As we look at this, though, guys, I, I, I just, once again, I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around this because God is so good, and he loves us more than we could ever know. And it cost him so much. Not just the fact that he came down as human, but then what did he do? He went to death. The death that I deserve, a criminal death, he went to the cross, he suffered, And he died, but he rose again. He rose again. And our hope is in that. Our hope is in that. The next thing I want to I look at is the fact that grace, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And so if your, your definition of being saved is that I've got a ticket out of hell that I am, I'm good to go. I, I, man, God has saved me and now I can do whatever I want and I know I'm going to heaven because of his love and my attitude has not been changed. I would say that you probably don't know what grace is. 
I would probably say that you don't understand grace completely. And, you know, grace is very similar. How many of you have been parents? How many of you raised kids? Or are raising kids right now? Is it a good idea as a parent, is it loving as a parent, to let your kids do whatever they want? What? No? That's mean. <laughs> That's so, I, I, I can't believe that you would say no to your child. That's part of parenting, isn't it? Parenting says that at times you're going to have to you're going to have to look at your child and tell them no. <laughs> and is it because you just want to be mean? Is it because you as a parent say, yeah, you know, I just, I just really want to make them cry today? Maybe. But I, I have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling that most parents are motivated out of love. For their children. And so, in that moment when your child is uh, doing something like, you know, like, hey, you know what? I made a nice meal, but ah, the kids want to eat Smarties. They just want to fill up on Smarties. Is, is that something that's going to be good? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> because it's not for their well being. Because, you know, if all they do is load up on sugar, there, it's, it's going to be bad, isn't it? Um, I, I, I talked to a guy uh, about a month ago where he said his, his sister was, tr uh, and it sounds like she changed her mind on this, but she decided that her child should never hear the word no because it's negative. And so she was trying to raise this child for almost a year or more. Maybe they got to about two years old and never heard the word no from their mom because that's mean it's negative I just I just don't want to crush her spirit that parent is not doing that child any favors at all it's not loving it's not loving to never say no to your children to raise them up to put discipline in their lives I mean, I think ultimately, and, and I would think that the end goal for, for most parents is to eventually have your child making some good decisions on their own, right? And so you're actually training them. And this, this is what's so interesting about this. Training, teaching, what is that? It's a process, right? It's a process. How, why, why do we go... Why do we go from kindergarten to 12th grade? So 12, 12 years of, of just general schooling. Why do we do that as a society? Why do we do that? Because teaching and training don't just happen overnight, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. It's not like you, you send your kids to kindergarten and you're like boy, they got it the first day, they come back, they're, they're active participants in society. Just doesn't happen, does it? 
you know, and even after 12th grade, there's a lot of people that choose to go get educated in a specific field, right? I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine, like, going to the hospital and a doctor comes up and says, okay, well, and, and gives me a diagnosis, and you say, well, how'd you know all this stuff? And he goes, ah, I just, I just read a book last night, and I'm good. No, there, there, there's things that happen, right? There, there's a process that happens. Teaching happens. Training happens. And those things are a process. And so it is, so it is in our spiritual lives. So it is in our in our Christian lives, that, you know, and I, I just talked to a couple, a couple this week, um, that was talking like, when do we arrive? <laughs> when do we arrive? When do we, when do we get, you know, like, just quit struggling with sin? When do we, like, just, you know, when does it happen? I just looked at him, I said, well, I hate to burst your bubble, but it's, it's a lifelong process. I still struggle with sin. Guess what? This week I sinned. Now, once again, I'm not saying that to be proud about it. I'm saying this to be as transparent as possible. And, and I still struggle with sin. I still struggle with things in my life, with junk in my life, on the natural human, with my sinful nature. And so when, when God's grace comes in, he changes my heart. And he's teaching me. He's disciplining me. He, he's doing things. But also, guys, notice this. To live a self-controlled. And that's when we have to say no to ourselves. When was the last time you guys said no to yourselves? If you haven't said no to yourselves in a while, maybe we need to start looking at that. You know, one thing I admire about Conrad, um, at one time he was, he was delivering furniture. He, he's not doing that anymore, but uh, I would go on the truck with him every now and then. And he's so disciplined. He's so disciplined on how he eats. <laughs> Where I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I usually had a backpack with me and I would like pull stuff out like beef jerky, candy bars, Red Bull, <laughs> all this stuff, right? And I'm like, Conrad, do you want something? And he, he, he nope, nope, I'm good. I, I'm on my routine, and I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. There's, there's self-discipline there. And it's so awesome to see, especially when I, I don't always have it. But to see him just display that really is, is a, uh, it's just really awesome to see. But guys, that, that's what grace does. It, it comes in, it teaches us. It, so it, it saves us. It saves us not from anything we've done. And, and, and by the way, guys, there's an order here. There's an order here for a reason. If at any time we think that we are going to try to bring self-discipline and be able to say no to certain things in our lives before we trust in Jesus, guess what? Legalism is going to start happening, and we're going to have issues in our own lives. If we are trusting in our own ability to try to get rid of a sin without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. So we have to be completely dependent, not just on Jesus for our salvation, but also for the fact if we want to get rid of a sin habit, the fact that we uh, may be struggling with something, we have to rely completely on his power. Now, there's definitely some things that we can do on the practical side, and, the, and those are some things we could talk through later, but honestly, guys, if it doesn't start with us completely trusting in Jesus for our salvation, but also for our, our sinfulness or for some of the things that we struggle with, we're going to be we're going to be lost. Thirdly, and this is really cool, guys, the fact that Jesus wants to purify us, the Holy Spirit, grace wants to purify us, and and this is part of the process that we are living in this life. You know, he's, it's training us, it's, it's teaching us. But while we're here on earth, it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, what's the blessed hope? Well, if we have put our trust in Jesus, we know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has got us. That he's not going to let go of us. And this hope that we're talking about is a hope that we know it's not a hope like, um, hope the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl this year. It's not that type of hope. Because, honestly, the chances of the Browns winning the Super Bowl this year or the next year or for the next 10 years is probably pretty bleak. But the hope he's talking about here, this blessed hope, is the fact that Jesus has already done it. If you look at, at, at chapter three, 3, verse 3, it says, and it's interesting because it, what is it? At one, at one time, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, and we lived malice, envy, being hated, and hating one another. But when the kindness of and love of God came, he saved us. Positionally, we're pure. We're pure already. Positionally, we're there. Positionally, we're with Jesus. That's what the Bible says. We're, we're with Jesus. We're at the right hand of God with Jesus. Right? Once again, not because of anything, not because of our righteousness, but his righteousness is transferred into our lives. So when I'm talking about righteousness, I'm not talking about our righteousness. I'm talking about Jesus' righteousness. Positionally, we're there. We're already there. But in this world, the grace that saves me, the grace that puts me there, that grace is working in my life right now to make me that way. It's a process, once again, doing things, chipping away at my old man, the old self. I have, I've, I've died and risen with Jesus. That's what the Bible says. But my old man is still there. I'm at war with myself. Paul, Paul says that a lot in Romans. You know, I do the things I don't want to do and, and, and all that, but that, that's because I'm at war with myself. And, and the good news of this, guys, is that in the end, I am going to be pure. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to be there with Jesus. 
truly there. Uh, worship team, you can come on up. Now, is that to bring glory to myself? Is that to like, hey, I got it all going on? Well, no. If we look at this, guys, 13, starting in, in, in chapter 2, verse 13, let me read, read this. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So we're now identified in Jesus, and this is actually bringing glory to Jesus. This is part of our worship of, of God and Jesus as we go through this process in this world, as this grace comes into our lives, changing our hearts, changing our very actions. There's something happening to us. God is changing us from the inside out, which is awesome, which is awesome. You know, guys, maybe, maybe you've been sitting here and, and maybe you say in many services and maybe you've, you've actually never, ever have given this trust, this, this uh, total trust to Jesus. Saying that, I, I, trying to do something on my own, trying to, trying to measure up for all the, all the standards, all the rules and regulations that you've been raised in. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, I haven't really given my full trust. If there's something stirring in your heart right now, I would just encourage you to trust Jesus fully. To trust Jesus fully. Trust Jesus for the fact that he, what he's done already. It, it, the work is completely done. And he loves you. And he wants you to come to him. He wants you to completely not trust you and completely trust him or maybe you're sitting here today and say man i i i've got all this ugliness inside me like i've trusted jesus and i but I've, I've got all this stuff in me maybe maybe there's a hidden sin that only you know about maybe obviously jesus knows about it too but maybe you're you're sitting here and you're saying man i i just i just can't get rid of this Just as much as trusting Jesus for your salvation, for getting rid of the consequences of sin, we can trust Jesus to do something, the process of getting rid of that sin. To be able to teach us to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright lives. And guys, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and maybe you're just like, maybe the, the troubles of this world with all the junk going on and maybe you're just sitting here and just being just completely overwhelmed. Well, guys, once again, this hope, this blessed hope, I want to encourage it because it's the only thing that can get us through this world as we wait. And by the way, guys, when we wait, it's not like, eh, I'm going to sit at a doctor's office and twiddle my thumbs. This is an actively waiting. There's, some, there's things happening as we wait for the Lord to come back. His second coming. He has appeared, and he will appear again. 
for who? His people. His people. Us. If we have put our trust in Jesus, we are his people. And so let me encourage you with those words. Because what's going on right now is temporary. But what God has done for us is eternal and forever. Guys, if anybody wants prayer, I'll be in the back. I would love to be able to pray for you guys wherever you're at if, if, if you're struggling with something. Um, but let me pray right now. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you that you love us and care about us. And you don't just say, I love you and good luck with the junk of the world. But you love us enough to do something. You love us enough to appear on the scene. Love us enough to um, just actively do things in our lives. And so, Father, right now, I just pray for each and every one of us. And I pray right now that your spirit just be moving in our hearts, in our minds. Encourage us. Um, have your will. Have your will be done. In your name I pray. Amen. Y'all want to stand and sing one more song as we close?